Hello from the ABA Mid-Year Meeting 2019 in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm Christopher Butler, and I'm your host for this podcast. This is Terry Harrell, and I am the director of the Indiana Judges and Lawyers Assistance Program and chair of the ABA Working Group to Advance Well-Being in the Legal Profession. And I'm John Barry. Glad to be here. I'm Hillary Bass. I'm the immediate past president of the American Bar Association, and it was during my year as president that we created the Task Force on Well-Being. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us for On the Road. It's a pleasure to be here, here in Las Vegas, the city that I know New York is a city that never sleeps, but I have not done much sleeping since I've been here. It's always something to do. Uh, So today we're talking about the Working Group to Advance Well-Being in the Legal Profession and their Wellness Pledge campaign. My panel here is uh, wonderful. They have a lot to say. I'm excited. Mental health is a big issue, something that's near and dear to my heart. So I'm really excited for this podcast. So my first question would be, what work are you doing with the wellness campaign, with the pledge and all that? And how did you get started in that? Well, this is Terry, and I received a call from President Bass back in August of 2017 saying, what can we do? What can the ABA do to improve well-being in the legal profession? After many conversations, we came up with this working group. John Barry became a member of that working group, and we came up with a number of initiatives to encourage legal employers to change the culture of the legal profession to one that supports well-being for their lawyers. Earlier, I didn't really mention much about my name or my background, but in this respect, health and well-being, uh, I represent the National Organization of Bar Council, also work at the, with the Florida Bar that you'll hear more from Hillary on. I think the real important issue was this whole uh, movement started by three groups, COLAP, which is uh, lawyer assistance programs, the National Organization of Bar Council, and Association of Professional Responsibility Lawyers, all from different perspectives, all in the trenches, that said we need to study the issue. And the National Task Force on Health and Well-Being, one of the best reports I've seen in my career, uh, sets out very well the problem we have and great suggestions for it. And then when uh, past President uh, Hillary Bass set up this group, now we're going to really get practical, concrete ways to implement uh, those, those suggestions. Well, I think that report was a real eye-opener for many of us. I'm sure for John and Terry, who've been involved in this space for many years, helping lawyers in various capacities, it probably was basically confirming what they already knew. Mm-hmm. But for me, coming in as a new bar leader and seeing that the rates of alcoholism, depression, and anxiety among lawyers was literally double what it is for other professionals, that really was a wake-up call. And so I couldn't imagine going through my bar year without putting some attention and focus on this issue. And thankfully, I had wonderful people like Terry and John who were more than happy to volunteer to really put boots on the ground and figure out what could the American Bar Association do to help address this problem. Yeah, I know. I read the report because um, the current law student division chair and um, uh, the COLAP liaison from the law student division. And I, we've been working and trying to start, you know, mental health pledges and campaigns from the law student division side. Um, and that's something that's really taking off because 
someone created a Facebook page for all the law student mental health organizations so that we can all collaborate and be able to share ideas, help other schools get started. So your report was a really good foundation for us, so thank you for that. Well, that's great to hear. One of the most disturbing statistics in that entire report was about law students. Yes. Because what it said was the law students enter law school with about the national average of anxiety and depression, which is somewhere around 10%. By the time they leave, it's close to 40%. And that's before these law students have billed their first client, handled their first trial, paid rent for the first time. And that's pretty scary because that's the future of our profession. Right. And if we're graduating law students with that level of depression and anxiety, it poses some big problems for us in the future. I think uh, an important point to make, and uh, we've all talked about this, is that report said the National Task Force on Health and Well-Being. Yes. And the importance of this is that it's, it's more than just getting rid of the problem. It's more than getting somebody off drugs or even getting them uh, mental health uh, help. It's about how can we enhance lawyers' lives, how can we give them meaning and purpose, how we can make their lives better. If we do that, then we have less chance that they're going to be uh, having difficulty down the line. So this is a comprehensive approach of both continuing the work we've done in the problem areas, but also an eye-opening, exciting new adventure to really try to be positive about the approach to to lawyers in their lives and in their careers. Mm -hmm. So, President Bass, you talked about how, you know, the Lawsons were the future of the profession. And so your uh, pledge has been targeting law firms. Um, and getting to sign it. And so to change the culture of how law firms look at uh, mental health and wellness, so then when we come out, they, the culture there has changed. But how can you know, law schools change the culture and be better for their students to get uh, better mental health resources, professionals on campus, things like that? Well, I'll really turn to the experts, but I can tell you that many law schools for the first time are at least thinking about the idea of having mental health counseling available to students. I mean, you're talking about a very stressful time in these young adults' lives. They're facing debt, they're facing the concern about passing the bar, and they're facing the possibility of having trouble getting a job. The National Task Force did address law schools as one of the stakeholders in the profession with many recommendations for law schools. And I just saw a report that a collab committee has collected of what are law schools doing in terms of well-being. And it was so encouraging. It was like three quarters were providing mindfulness training for their law students. There were many, many other things that they were doing for the law students. President Bass is correct that uh, the LAPS as well as private counselors are starting to be present in the law schools on site for the law students. So there's a lot happening in the law schools that's really exciting. I might add, I think that question might be one of the most important questions about the whole situation. And again, it's being addressed at several levels. Law schools um, have to be able to have the time and the ability to start spending more time not only in collateral help, but within their courses themselves or in the things they offer. There's going to be another meeting in a few minutes uh, of the bar examiners. Mm -hmm. And how we test law students somehow relates to also how we teach law students. So the ability to give law schools some flexibility to do some of this and then be encouraged to do it, I think is vitally important. And uh, the stats that President Bass mentioned, these are consistent statistics from previous statistics as well. These aren't alarmist kind of things we're trying to say. And I'll make one other statement. 
I don't think there's anything more important in this issue. Um, I'm spending my last 30 years in the ABA House uh, under the leadership of Hillary Bass and others, and um, there's nothing more important than being able to have lawyers that have health and well-being. If they don't, everything else is going to be a problem. Right, because as lawyers, we have not only a duty to our clients, but a duty to ourselves, because if we're not in the proper space to be able to represent them to the best of our ability, then we'll never be able to successfully uh, navigate the legal profession. And then people lose trust, what trust they do have in lawyers if we can't take care of ourselves. Can I expand for just a minute mm-hmm. on the current pledge that the working group has put out yes. there? It is designed for all legal employers. Mm-hmm. It's mostly firms that are taking the pledge, but we have some in-house corporations that have taken it. We have a law school that has signed the pledge because mm-hmm. um, law schools employ lots of lawyers, correct? Right. And I think if they can do that internally for their own employees, for their own professors and staff, that's going to help with the well-being of the law students as well. So when it comes to positions where, like judges, we've been talking a lot about lawyers, but there are also um, other professionals in the legal profession. You you have judges, you have paralegals, you have um, legal assistants, things like that, law clerks. What can be done to get those higher up? So, you know, like we got Supreme Court justices, federal justices at the appellate level. What can they do to encourage all the way down that, you know, this is an important issue. I mean, the Conference of Chief Justices was part of the National Task Force, Mm -hmm. and I think getting their support from the very beginning for the task force report has been huge, and I think they're going to continue to be supportive because, absolutely, judges as leaders in the profession have a huge impact on what the rest of us do, and they were one of the stakeholders in the report. And let's be practical. Lawyers listen to judges and justices. Right. If they take the lead, if they listen. But it's also our job, and uh, through Hillary Bass, through the ABA, and through the bar associations, to make sure they are aware of that information. And that's why this report was important. That's also why a continuing dialogue with them is important. I personally believe they're getting it. Um, maybe they need even more, but the entire profession realizes this going on. They see it in front of them. Uh, they read about it just like everyone else does. And when they start taking an action, it flows downhill and there's even more action than from us. And I know uh, law students are concerned with reporting their mental health, either mental illnesses or the fact that they may might have seen a therapist on the past because it will come up in character and fitness. And there are some questions in some state bar uh questions that'll ask about that and that's a very prominent concern I know I'm from Michigan Michigan is uh, considering putting questions like that on the state bar application so what can the ABA do to I guess dissuade from that well I can tell you that there are some state bars I know Montana is one where they want people to get the assistance they need Montana happens to be a state with a very high rate of suicide Mm-hmm. And so they think it's very important that people seek appropriate mental health counseling. And so what they have created is a program where if you do have either a substance abuse problem or something that would potentially cause a red flag, it's confidential and they basically appoint a mentor and give you provisional licensing and they have that mentor work with you for some period of time, ensure that there's no impact on your ability to give advice to your clients and then you get you know, a, a waiver of that provisional status. But it's obviously something bars are very concerned about. 
I do believe the ABA passed a resolution, and it's been two and a half years or so, I can't remember the exact entity, saying the bar examiner should ask questions about conduct, but mm-hmm. should not ask questions about mere diagnosis or treatment. And I believe that's still good exactly. policy Exactly. That today. is and the ABA policy. Okay. That and there's nothing wrong with changing. saying, you know, do you have a mental illness that affects your ability to give legal advice? That's I, an appropriate question. Right. And I think, too, that you've seen a major change in all the regulatory systems within the, uh, within the bar associations, whether or not it's how you get in through the bar examiners or how the discipline occurs or having rehabilitative efforts. What's the one common denominator? Everyone is looking to try to help first. And, and so we have to get the word out. You're not going to be punished for this. You need to get help before you may end up in a situation where you're either punished for it or you get your career or life out of control. So the one common denominator is is the end of stigma, and it's not just law students uh, doing it. Law firm folks are afraid, scared of admitting it. So I think uh, that's one message that we clearly have to get to everyone. Well, earlier we mentioned COLAP. I know they're a huge help for resources for just assistance in general when it comes to mental health or any type of thing. But what other, we can dive into that a little bit more, but also what are other resources that are available to law firms, to law schools that can um, assist with developing proper culture for mental health wellness, as well as getting help for their um, constituents? Well, I do think I would encourage starting with your lawyer assistance program because they're already into the legal field providing this assistance. But you also have local mental health associations, private clinics and private providers within your state or your locality. There are universities that can provide a lot of good training. We've had training for physical fitness from our local, our university, Indiana University in our state for lawyers, which has been wonderful. Well, you know, there are also rules in place with bar associations like Florida where we have conditional admissions. That's a situation where you really have had serious problems, but here's an opportunity to get in under certain supervision. So a lot of our rules are being changed to implement the same kinds of approaches that Terry and, uh, and Hillary are talking about. And again, it's all a recognition that what we're worried about is the ability to give appropriate legal advice to your client. The mm-hmm. fact that you may have a mental illness, to the extent it does not affect your ability to be a practicing lawyer, mm-hmm. it should not be a red flag for the bar regulators. And so mental health is obviously not only a uh, stigmatized issue in the legal profession, it's everywhere. So as lawyers, judges, legal professionals, should we take the lead in implementing policy in this nation about changing the way we see and interact with mental health? What a great question, and I think so, because we have uh, not only the personal experience of the troubles and the issues, but we have a broad range of education, training, advocacy skills to be able to share that with, with other people as well. So that's, that's, in my opinion, a great question. It absolutely applies to the general population as well as leaders, but as advocates and a voice piece for our, um, our communities, we should be part of that. I could spend like hours on this, but I I know I want to be respectful of everyone's time, but I really do appreciate you all coming on. Um, If any of our listeners want to reach out to you, is there an email or uh, your contact information so they can get involved, learn more and do some good work? Terry Harrell. My email is Terry, T-E-R-R-Y dot H-A-R-R-E-L-L at courts, courts with an S dot I-N dot gov. 
And this is John Barry, all lowercase, J Barry, J B E R R Y, at F L A B A R dot org. And Hillary, let me give you this one Bass H, B A S S H, at BassInstitute.org. And of course, anybody can get more information by going on the ABA, the American Bar website, and putting in the term wellness. And you'll come up with the toolkit for both employers and law students, as well as the up-to-date information about the pledge and other activities of the American Bar Association in this space. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guests for joining us today. Thank you for taking the time to talk about this and for all the work you're doing on mental health. We also want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. Before I let you go, I'm going to leave it with a quote by the Buddha. You, yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. This is Christopher Butler coming from the ABA Mid-Year Meeting 2019 in Las Vegas. Thank you. Stay happy, stay healthy, and have a wonderful day. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.